and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to Seize the GM. <laughs> yes, I mean, we what have the same, that? Both of us having the same timing, which tells you we've done this for a long time. <laughs> what in the name of the seven hells, eight if you include New Jersey, what the hell is that? <laughs> a fun way to start it. Thank you yeah. for coming back and listening, even if you are still laughing over the fact that Zen and I had the exact same timing and cadence for the opening. We'll let you pause, get your laugh out, and then we'll actually come back and I'll let Zen start. <laughs> and this is right. and everyone wonders why I let you guys start first because if there's going to be a collision, aim my fault. It's going to be with us. Yep. Yeah. And then I get to sit back and laugh. <laughs> All right. Now that you're done laughing, tonight we're going to talk about raising up that reclusive gamer at your table or possibly in this morning, depending on when you're listening to the episode. But this is about what to do, or at least what to think about as a GM, if there's a player at your table who is not doesn't seek the spotlight, but also may kind of appear withdrawn, may just sort of be passive, at, both at the table as a player and, and in the game as a character. Yeah, we're not talking about the guy that's just sitting there and then you see him like always making notes always making notes all and we're talking they, they it, it you know you're, they're, they're sitting there they're not might not be paying that much attention they might be playing on their phone or knitting or something like that it, it's you know it, it's remember back in school there was that always that one quiet kid in the class and you never even knew if they were even paying attention kind of a thing it's it's that. No. Oh. oh, you're you're talking about me. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> well, here's the thing. As a and I'm sure all three of us have gone through it where we've had uh, you know, where we are the kind of, you know, withdrawn recluse gamer at the table. I mean, for starters, why why were you that? I mean, uh, Zen, why don't you start? You know, since 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 Garden Manger said that, okay, you starting, so I'm I'm making you start. <laughs> well, uh, there's there can be a couple of different reasons why somebody is like that at the table, but there there kind of needs to be some other questions that you have to ask. Specifically, you need to start with yourself when you're thinking about this. And it's not to be like, you know, totally self-centered about it, but look at what you're doing. You know, are you maybe not making it quite engaging enough for them? Or, or maybe, maybe they have a build that they really wanted to play, but it doesn't fit into your story. So they just 
all their cool stuff and all the stuff they can do, they can't contribute. Well, they that could be it. It's there could also just be that maybe you are actually just sticking to that person that is way more extroverted. Mm-hmm. And that's something to keep in mind too. If you're always hitting the guy who wants to be or girl or girl who wants to be in the spotlight, their character wants to be there and you just keep going back because it's easy. That could it's be another reason. Loop. Well, yeah, and you're getting in that echo chamber and you need to get away from that. It's not just an extroversion introversion question because the the loud player or the out there player isn't necessarily the extrovert. It could just be that they're excited to be there even in a small group. It could be that it's taking their energy to do it, but they can't stop themselves. Kind of like Steve Jobs on stage, kind of like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So, it's or my not husband. <laughs> also valid. So, Look at that question of what you're doing as a GM. Are you are you dealing with someone who came along with someone else as a significant other or a friend to someone who was really excited to play and they're just kind of humoring their friend? Yeah, I, I've actually seen... Most anybody that's gamed for any length of time has seen the... I'm with that guy. Well, and no, that's me. I, 90% no. of the time they bring me along because they want Zeppi. Yeah. So I'm, I am not there because I was wanted. I am there because they wanted Zippy and that happens. I admit yeah. it. I can't do voices. I, you know, the, the one thing I'm really good at is logic puzzles. And that's the time I stand up. Well, and but so, could also- <laughs> <laughs> You two are going to be doing this entire episode, aren't you two? We might now. Yeah. But here's here's the thing. You need to figure out kind of the, you know, it's like, okay, are they doing that just because, you know, they don't have enough spoons to engage like the rest of the players are? Or look at the other players. Are they just have so much of a dominant personality that, you know, due to, you know, you know, sometimes, at least for me, for a long time, it was politeness and you don't interrupt. And then the entire stories pass you by when you really wanted just to throw in your two cents and couldn't. You know, that so is impossible. Or you could have an instance like one that my wife recently experienced with the last time she tried gaming. And that was she was the new person in a group of well-established friends. And she did not have the mm. history that they all had. So the, the language, the in-jokes, the lexicon. All of it was of... lost mm-hmm. on her. And so she just sat there just kind of, I'm here for the game. And that was it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then when you but have... That's if they are, they're, it, but the thing is, there's nothing wrong with it. If they're okay with that kind of, if your player is okay with that kind right. of a situation, you know, they could be, and the thing is, they could just be sitting there with your friends because they can't do anything because they're, they're high stress, how crazy job. And 
they don't have a lot of spoons left to, to kind of expend. They're just happy to sit and go along or they could be, I can't do anything. And then miserable. So. And what you want to think about is getting to this question of, are they having fun is going to be doing something we tell you to do a lot, which is talk to in this time, a particular player and really if it's someone who's not comfortable at the table, you need to take, take that into account. Uh, try to touch base during a bio break or a food run. Try to see, ask them if they've got a moment away from the game to kind of check in on them and get the chance to ask them some kind of leading questions about whether they're having fun and trying to mm-hmm. figure out if it's this situation they're okay with where they're busy and stressed out and crazy and have to make lots of decisions while they're working and at home. And this is their chance to sit back, kind of nod their head and just go along with what other people are doing. Or if they enjoy being passive and watching their friends do something absolutely ludicrous and just letting them run wild and watching your own face kind of go through contortions of what the direct do I do with that idea? Yeah. And there's the other thing it's, and this comes up for me. It's like, I bloody despise politic and intrigue in games that are way too long because I have to deal with that in real life. I have to deal with that for 10, 12 hours a day. I don't want to deal with that. So when we have, and it is, while I am very good at it, at at least and within my job, I don't want to have to do that when I'm, you know, it's like, it's so much more, it's like a stult therapy. It's like, ah, die orc, die orc, or breaking down a wall. It's like, what do you do? I headbutt the wall. I critical success. Wall is broken. Die wall. That kind of a thing. Sure. Because I don't have to be refined and, and, and polite. But if we're in a situation like that, I'm just going to sit there and just, yep. Nope. So it could be a temporary situation, but if also, if it's the kind of thing that your game is starting to move, away from a good balance to heavily favor something like that, you know, or if they love politics and intrigue and you, all you're doing is, you know, destroy the orc, slash the orc, kill the orc, immolate the orc, fireball, fireball, you know. Right, raising, raising my hand over here. That gets, <laughs> that gets real boring real fast. And, you know, the end of, of you know, the biggest games, third edition kind of had devolved into that. And it got kind of tiring for me, but, yeah. I like a balance. I like, and the thing is, though, that one thing you also, as a GM, is like once you start figuring out where it is, it's like for me, you put logic puzzles in front of me or riddles or something like that. I'm, I'm, it's like I will just sit there. It's just like a kid with cake and brownies with ice cream and whipped cream and sprinkles. I am happy beyond belief. I love that kind of stuff. But, so if if you've identified there's someone at your table that seems to be a little withdrawn little reclusive if you've talked to them and and yeah that's not really what they're wanting they're not having fun for one of these reasons that the game or plot isn't engaging they're being talked over by more assertive players their build isn't necessarily being very efficacious compared to other players or maybe in the game well what do you do what what sort of actions would you two take for you know a player who just was being talked over by those assertive players. What are the steps you might want to try to take to help them rise up? Well, for, for those kind of things where, where they're kind of being 
uh, overrun, for lack of a better term for it, is that you, it's, you turn to like everyone that's say like, if somebody does have a plan, you bring it up and then you turn and you ask that player director, he's like, okay, what do you think about that? You don't, and, and if somebody starts talking over you as the GM, you shut that down. You can't, you have to, I, I understand that the want of creativity and free flow of ideas, but the other players also have to be made aware that they are running roughshod off over another player. So, you know, if a, a, a general like, hey, uh, we wanted to see what so-and-so was doing, you know, and if not, you're like, you know, you might have to take a little bit more drastic measures. I, I had, When somebody starts to do that, I love it. I have a roll of duct tape. And I have duct tape to players' mouths shut. And we all agreed to this before gaming, so it's not like I surprised them when they're starting yeah. to get like that. So it's a, it's not a, it's a physical, visual thing that they realize like, oh, I'm talking too much. Yeah. There is... Yeah. Uh, How about you? There's a, <laughs> a very old school thing that has been talked about for a very long time, and that's the idea of like a talking stick. And whoever is talking, they have the stick. And if you don't have the stick, you shut the hell up and you listen to the person that's holding the stick. Indeed. <laughs> but the one thing you do have to be careful, though, the is... only person that doesn't have to do that is the person running the game because exactly. they're supposed to be able to have that interaction. So that doesn't apply to whoever the GM is. But, but you also any have to remember, players, give the other, give the one that's quiet the stick. So because usually they'll just yeah. pass it around, and they'll forget the guy that's not talking anyway. So well, yeah, you hand it to the first person mm-hmm. because it's you your stick. Be- you give it to the person and yeah. say, "Okay, here we go." Be we, proactive. What are you doing? And you hand it to them, and then everybody else at the table shuts up while this person says what's going on. Because if it's just because somebody else is running roughshod over them, when they're forced to then pay attention to the one person that's allowed to talk, all of a sudden, they're going to start realizing, oh shit, this person's got all kinds of really good ideas. It's just, we keep talking over them, even though they're normally a quiet person. Mm-hmm. And you that may be a very, very visceral physical way that you can stop them because the other point of this is remember that person now has a stick if you don't shut up hit the person with it it's we are not advocating you. any kind of physical violence between player no. or between player and GM. you can tap them on the hand like hey i'm talking that's still violence <laughs> i still find it hilarious now i like doing something similar but without that stick if I'm running and I go through that kind of list and ask what people are doing, I'll make sure that I have asked every single player individually at various points what their character is doing and just single it out. Well, what's going on? Okay. And hey, hey, Jules, what are you doing right now? And if you get interrupted, I'm just going to let the other person go on for a few minutes and go back. All right, Jules, back to what you were saying. And yeah repeat that process with enough patience that it's eventually going to get pretty clear. The thing is though, that, and, and uh, as somebody who was pretty much ignored for so many bloody games, the thing is though, that going back to the person is still letting the people that spoke over 
have their second is like pretty much when they start to open their mouth it's like they were talking you shut up i'll get to you in a minute you don't have to be as mean but you can get that mean if they don't get the hint sometimes at, sometimes people will get in there they'll, they'll be like oh sh shnikes i didn't realize that i was talking over and some people have that as we've talked about in the types of players you have is the prima donna it's just like well i'm the hero so f all y'all Kind of a thing. So when you do it three or four times in a row, they start realizing they're not getting that attention and it starts to stop that process. Instead of giving them feedback of immediately giving them attention when they start acting. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But Jules, back to what you were saying. If Zen does it yeah. again, I'll let him run out of words. Yes, but Jules, you were in the middle of doing X. X. Keep please continue. <laughs> yeah, and keep going back to that. And the fact that what the prima donna is doing doesn't matter yet tends to make it a less uh, explosive realization for them than about sh shutting them off, shutting them down, cutting them off, and, and creating if they were not intentionally cutting off the other player more. Oh, I mean that it's. We no, because I was the per trying to speak, and for almost a year, I was getting interrupted. Even though the GM was trying to do that, but the player never got it, no matter what we did. So eventually, it just well, it, it led to point, me exploding. Well, no, and, and this is a valid thing to also consider: is if you've gone through all of this, and that they still continue to do that, we have actually talked about this before mm -hmm. in. Why, you know, what do you do with a problematic player who refuses to concede the the ability, you know, the desire to just spew their ideas and only their ideas? Mm -hmm. So and, that's not, not to interrupt. So that's the one thing you do have to kind of keep an eye on is like, is this accidental or is this going to turn into a habit? And if you can cut right. the habit off quick, uh, Garmage is he's much, you are much more political and, and uh, I would say uh, kind than I would be. Uh, my patience would run out a lot quicker than yours. But uh, no, but it's like if a couple times and, you know, as they're working to fix themselves, cool. But, and then you realize you're not having a, a recluse character, you're having a bully. And that's a different topic. We could go into it another time, but it's something you kind of have to be aware of. It's like, oh, it's not that it's not the quiet guy's fault. It's it's Mr. Loudmouth. And it's one we have gone into another time. And I commend unto you listeners to go to seizethegm.com and look for how to deal with problem players, including bullies. And we've mentioned, you know, what to do if the plotter story isn't drawing them in. If they want more politics, well, sprinkle some more in. If they want more dungeon delving and adventuring should be pretty easy to add. What about disadvantageous builds? I mean... Respecking. Oh, well, I say, <laughs> spec is always the last choice at the end of the day. If they got... If they built a non-efficient character and everyone else built efficient edgelord monstrosities, you just start from the respec. But yeah. it could be related to... I built a character expecting exploration or politics, and I'm getting stand-up fights. Yeah. Yeah, make the choice to have 
an adventure that highlights some of those skills. Or right, um, because then you can really draw that player out because that's what they want to be doing. Because uh, we've talked about that. That's character design is a lot of the players literally going, this is the kind of game I want to play. <laughs> and here's something that's kind of a, a neat way if you want to think about it. If you've got, you know, it's like there's something that, so say if you're doing uh, dungeon delving and someone's like, well, I wanted more social interaction politics. There's something that I, I like to call edge cases. It's like, okay. And all of a sudden you go at a door and there is a, a sphinx standing in front of you and it wants a story or it wants uh, a bit of intrigue that it's never heard before. So it, all the smashy isn't going to help. So you could kind of figure out what kind of cool edge cases that are still thematically appropriate, but would highlight, you know, uh, senior social and give them something really spectacular. You know, so it's not like, okay, right, the dungeon's finished. Now we're going to go deal with courtly affairs. No, you don't have to do such a, a hard shift, but figuring yeah. out ways. You're finding ways of sprinkling those concepts into the existing yeah. thing that I, you're already doing. Yeah, but if you've got like a, a courtly affair and the barbarian's getting really annoyed and just sitting there not doing anything. All right, have him be called as somebody's champion in a duel or something like that. And I think one of the future topics we're going to cover is how to work in things like politics or combat without it being that black or white affair. How to have a social or political component to a game that's not just, oh, look, we're completely in courtly intrigue, but to be able to work that balance in, because I think that's something that a lot of GMs struggle with. It's either we're not going to draw our weapons at all this session, or we're not going to use words this session. And yeah. I think that's a good future topic. Yeah. But you know what else? I want to hear from our listeners. I want to hear what they do, or if they have been one of these more reclusive players. And if so, whether they've you know risen up and how that happened, especially on the Discord even if I'm barely on there right now. But you know the social media plugs. Like us, rate us, review us, come interact with all of us on the various social medias because we are there. And as you're doing that, what kind of questions would you ask your kind of you know, quiet and reserved player to, to get to know what they want, to get to understand where they're coming from? You know, we always, it's like questions that have is like, are you having fun? Yes, no. It's a one-word answer. You need something deeper. So what kind of questions would you pose to your player to figure out more about them, more about their character, more about what they'd like? Because sometimes the question is more important right now than the answer. That is true. That is true. But as we are so fond of saying, we have literally barely scratched this surface, folks. You can talk about this forever. Well, maybe not forever, but for a really long time. But <laughs> it, the, the paths to figuring out information is vast and infinite. It's it is true, but I think it's going to be time to and roll on into our next topic. 
system-neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. Jules, go. Oh, you monster. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. The Star Eaters. Hush, child, and stay near me. I will tell you a story. And I swear to you that this is true, unlike the apocryphal stories of the rulers and the priests. They gazed upon us from above, the stars. They shone and danced nightly as they made their way across the celestial sphere. The old legends described how monsters, heroes, villains, and all that the gods deemed precious were placed in the sky till they all disappeared. It started slowly in a darker corner of the sky. One by one, the stars winked out. An ever-expanding void blanketed the sky. And as the last of the stars winked out, we heard them. A cacophony of clicking and amelodic eldritch chittering. The Star Eaters. Where they come from remains a black secret, and their final objective is a mystery as well. Our priests, prophets, and kings succumbed to the influence of the Star Eaters first. Our leaders, craving for power and control, made them easy to influence and command. They became the Star Eaters' perfect zealots and acolytes. And our people, terrified and lost, blindly followed their words. It didn't take long for the populace to act solely in the interest of the Star Eaters. And know this, child, without the stars, we are adrift and nearly helpless. We cannot navigate. Long ago, we traveled using the stars as signposts, waypoints, and markers. Now we can no longer travel, trade, or explore. The stars determine the planting season and harvest time. Without the stars' guidance, our larders grow barren and our winter supplies grow scarce. And in times past, we use the position of the stars to determine fate and destiny for all things, great and small. Without the stars, no decisions can be made. So we stagnate, we die, we forget. So why do I tell you this, little one? Because there are so few of us left. There are so few who remember the night skies it used to be. So few who know the truth, heretical though it may be. And if the stars themselves are forgotten, then we as a people will be lost as well. Nice. Fun. Thank I you. like it. All right. So who's next? Who's next? I want to hear stories. Well, I can't do one. So I I did not have time this week. Oh, great. Gardemanger followed. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> awesome and delightful. Gardemanger? I present to you Harvick's Purloined Mendacious Scripting. Mendacious script is a pernicious evil. Well, perhaps not so much evil as inadvertently responsible for launching a thousand ships on doomed quests. Uh, this script, this font, this particular way of arranging semiotic information can morph and change before your very eyes. Uh, the actual meaning may stay the same, but the words themselves will change and flow into something different. Each time you open the page... Lay your eyes upon what's been transcribed or represented. It seems different. Harvick's the person who gets the credit or blame for identifying what was happening. Uh, but whether Harvick first found the script or perhaps invented it is still unknown. Which version is the right version? And is there a right version? <laughs> 
Dude. Love it. Nice. <laughs> that is fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, it seems like we are. Oh, just so you know, if you uh, want to figure out, if you don't already have a great idea of how to use these little tidbits in your game, go check out news because we put, do put a little bit of how we could use, how we might use them. The dude features are long and expansive and include lots of added bonus features that you don't even have to be a Patreon member to access. You that should go true. now and click on it. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's flip on into that next lexicon. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay. Are we ready? Bring it. I am going to lay some word on you. <laughs> Camson. I've heard that word used a lot with haboobs. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a kind of wind that can lead to the haboob. All right, so it is a noun. It is specifically a hot southerly Egyptian wind. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. That that I didn't know it was specific for Egypt winds, but yeah. For anyone who is unaware, uh, Haboob is a dust storm that occurs especially in, I believe, sub-Saharan Africa, um, around the Sudan, and it's, um, yeah, it's, a thing. Yeah, it, it actually, we actually have started getting Haboobs now in Arizona and New Mexico, too, so. so that's how I learned about it. Nice. All right, so, history and etymology. It is Arabic. Uh, and I am uh, afraid to do this because I am horrible, but it is, uh, I believe, Rial Kamsin, which is Wind of the 50. It is actually specifically because it relates to the days between Easter and Pentecost. That is when Ooh. the wind is most common, apparently. Well, already then. Yeah. I like <laughs> so that. Only is it, not only is it a very specific type of wind, but it's a specific time of wind. <laughs> Which is very interesting if you think about it, because that is a culture that, as Americans, we don't generally think of in that capacity. So I found it really interesting that it was not only a specific type of wind and location of wind, but it's also a specific time of wind. Because that is, I mean, in a desert, that's what you got. <laughs> so it was just really neat to me. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty spiff word. Yeah. And its first known use 
is in 1685. And it's lookup popularity. I'm not going to lie. It's in the bottom 10% of words. You're, you're, you're making it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're coming for us. <laughs> uh huh. So that's, that's the word. Come seen. So enjoy it. Say it. Yeah. It is a cool word. It is. Well, it looks like we are right on the edge of going ahead and wrapping this bad boy up. So, Garmanger, what do you got? I uh, think for a change of pace, uh, you could look on Netflix and find Challenger: The Final Flight. It's a four-part documentary series about the Challenger space shuttle, how we got there, what went wrong, and what we learned. Um, if you're of a certain age, you may vividly remember specific moments that are in the documentary. So, be aware, be warned. But it is a really fascinating look at. You know, part of what we where we thought the future was going in the 1980s and why the Challenger had a civilian, let's say, teacher on board. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, uh, I do remember the Challenger flights. I remember all of them. Uh, so... Jules, and go. Okay. Uh, Raised by Wolves. If you have HBO, you or HBO Max or any of the streaming stuff, you need to watch Raised by Wolves. The the con. Okay, so the basic, the basis for this is Earth has been destroyed, and there is a in the in the origin, in the beginning of it there is a pair of androids and they have a small they basically raise birth and raise a small group of children on one of the kepler planets and that's all i'm going to say aside from the fact that the the warring factions that destroyed earth were a religious organization and atheists. Okay. It is amazing. <laughs> it is so good. So yeah, definitely need to check it out. I am about halfway through it. Through this season. I'm really hoping that they do a second season because it's that good. And it's I'm been already, really good. It has. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I need good. to. I need to see if there's any way to get it besides HBO Max, which I have not yet broken down and added to the list of streaming services in the household. There is no way to watch it other than that right now, unless you have just like cable and you can watch it on cable. I think it's an HBO Max exclusive. I think it's not on oh. HBO proper, but like some of the other stuff is only on the streaming Max. Right. Oh, it's good. Uh, dude, it I might give you my login so you can watch it because it's that good. 
Well, we'll hold off on that while Jules rounds out our closing remarks for the week. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it's getting close to to spooky times, getting close to some of the holidays where you usually go out and do stuff with your friends. So I'm recommending the Jackbox Party Pack. There's seven of them. You can get them on Steam. And pretty much it is a collection. I don't know if you guys remember the, the goofy quiz, you know, game, You Don't Know Jack. Mm-hmm. Well, they did a whole bunch of other games um, and they put up like it's the party pack. And the nice thing about it is all you need for something like this is, you know, Discord or somewhat or Skype or something like that. And a phone or a, a tablet or or a laptop or computer. And only one person needs to have it in order for everyone to play. So you can do quiplash, fibbage, uh, drawful, all these other kind of, it's a way to, it's a competitive game, but it is, the things that really make it special is the silliness and the goofiness that you're able to kind of, you know, kind of reconnect with. So if you want to get together with some friends, you're missing them, you miss the humor, you miss the conversations. They miss some of the smack talk, you know, see if any of them has, I mean, I've got all of them, but it's something really special. And all you put in is just like, you go to the website, you put in the code and then you use your, your phone as an input device. So they could be halfway across the world and, you know, instead of the four horsemen of the choir of the apocalypse, the one that wasn't scary is the four choir men of the apocalypse. And I won the, and I, I won the round on that one. So it can get really (laughs) silly. And I think, especially as the days get shorter and the nights get longer and it kind of gets colder and more still, we need sometimes that really ridiculous, raucous laughter. That is true. That is true. And the games lend themselves to be ridiculous. They're not, it's not Jeopardy. This is more like Double Dare (laughs) and ridiculousness. So we need that. Yes, we do. Well, folks, it has been, um, it's been fun. It's been a delight and a pleasure. And we will hear you, or more to the point, you will hear us in just a few short weeks, or if you're catching up, as soon as you click next on the podcatcher of choice. Yes. So, until then, get out there, have some fun. Roll some dice. Play some games. And we'll see you all very, very soon. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter. Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. 
you're the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.